Bruce Cowton Group Director is Scott Browning and uh, introduce my colleague Luanne Zeder, who's my senior urban design. We work, both work within the Master Planning and Urban Design um, division of um, Scott Brownrigg and the SALD documentation has been developed through our design research unit uh, R&D um, group within Scott Brownrigg. Um, you can see we do uh, uh, many of the different sectors and, uh, and services but primarily uh, Luanne and I uh, concentrate on uh, urban design and master plan projects for the, uh, for the practice and our clients. Um, SALD originated from a discussion with a client who uh, didn't have a methodology of being able to assess uh, groups of uh, land parcels and uh, prioritise one land parcel above or below another one. Um, and what we found is that the industry has been able to uh, assess um, sustainability of master plans, buildings and completed developments, but not, there isn't really an assessment tool for pre-design choice, choice making for choosing which site should come forward for development above or below another site. And until now, um, we've struggled to be able to find tools in the marketplace that are pre-designed. I think the you know, presentation one showed design tools for once you've chosen a site, but many of our clients and local authorities have struggled to assess parcels of land that they know about or actually own and promote one above another as being more sustainable than another one. And it's very difficult to judge which site is more appropriate than, than its neighbour or one within a district or a region. And we've been able to um, compile a, um, an assessment methodology that helps developers, local authorities, landowners and clients to make a very relatively quick assessment using a point scoring system, very similar to what was uh, uh, presented earlier, and make a valued benchmarked judgment of which site should come forward. And it's allowed us to compare sites for, um, uh, based on sustainability criteria at that very early pre-design stage. It's not about designing on the site, it's about selecting the sites which should be more sustainable than another site to be promoted for development. And we're seeing a lot of that in the core strategies that the local authorities are going through uh, across the UK at the moment, when they've got 16, 20, 30 sites um, in their land bank, but which ones should they choose to come forward and assess as being the most sustainable one that they should put the most effort into promoting first? instead of one which is the least sustainable but just happens to be one that they might have a, an interest in. Therefore, we were presented with a real question in a real project that needed to go ahead. Which site is more appropriate than the other one in terms of being ready for development? And what best can be used to see that appropriateness than sustainability terms? So we had to have a look of what it is there already in terms of methods uh, used for the assessment uh, of sustainability, among which we all already see in SUBED, which I'll mention later. Priam Communities is a very well-known um, sustainability assessment method, uh, which we looked at and see whether we can use this tool to actually answer the question of the client in this particular case. And as uh, we have highlighted there, 
it mainly relates to sustainability in the planning stage. So we were not there yet. We were very early stages in this case. We looked at LEED for neighborhood development, a similar tool with similar indicators in terms of sustainability, and we more or less came uh, to similar conclusions. It is used for assessing designs. It's not related as much. There is components of it to uh, assess site-specific cases, but not uh, specifically uh, appropriate. We looked at Subet. We had a very fresh presentation of that, so I won't go long on that. But as uh, the previous speaker mentioned, it is a very comprehensive uh, uh, tool. It was all sorts of indicators, but there is some conclusion that didn't fit to the particular case we were dealing with in this case. There is a lot of lo local authorities there that try to do their assessment of their land available for development, which we had a look as well to see how does each local authority go about it. And uh, we found out that there is a very wide variety of assessments um, from the very complicated comprehensive ones up to those local authorities that got into a minibus, rode around the town, and then they said, well, we like that, 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 and that side. It looks very sustainable to us. So we thought probably this is not sufficient enough for being more robust in terms of deciding what is a sustainable site. The main conclusion that we want to get all, all this research we did is, first, most of the available methods uh, assesses sustainability relate to design stage or implementation or after implementation. They can assess how sustainable a building or a site is once it's been developed. But very little is available there to assess before even choosing a site which one would be more sustainable than the other. The, the, the other very important thing is that most or all of these assessment tools that are there, available for us, are very complicated, they take too much time, and they cost a lot. Um, obviously, there is quite a lot of research and science behind these method uh, methodologies to come to the conclusion they've come up with, but when we're talking to very initial stages, just for deciding which side is better than the other, there is hardly any money available for uh, complicated uh, assessment tools or time uh, or other means. So we were faced with the dilemma of needing some sort of tool that can be easy, practical, but at the same time give you enough information to choose which side is better than the other in terms of sustainability. Therefore, we came up with SALT. We have worked with Hilsa Moran on this as well in terms of uh, refining the tool and coming up with a derivative assessment tool that is uh, practical, uh, practical and easy enough to apply and understandable. <coughs> so SAD is mainly used for housing and employment site allocation process. So it is very easy either for local authorities or private developers to pick up this tool, very simple and practical, and make a preliminary assessment what sites are more sustainable than the others. Can be used for strategic land availability assessment, can be used for planning applications. We have cases we'll show later that sites, for instance, that were for some reason not uh, included in the core strategy, they can be reassessed with this tool and see their merits for potential sustainable development. They, 
The style can be used in, in feasibility studies and site comparison uh, exercises. Who can use SALT? Master planners who deal with the master planning process, mainly on those stages where you deal with specific sites. Local authorities will show some examples of how local authorities have used actually this tool and private developers in their process of prioritizing their land for uh, bringing forward as development. I won't dwell too, too long on this, it's just to indicate that SALT has not really reinvented the wheel. What my colleague just mentioned before is a series of indicators that really assess sustainability, which uh, we have picked up from, like Subed, Priam communities, lead neighborhood develop development, but picking up all those components that are appropriate for this stage of uh, master planning process, if we call it like that, or that do focus on site-specific issues and is practical and simple to use. But it excludes design-related um, uh, assessments, so it's only on the site it, Exactly. It doesn't prejudice whatever value design can add into this site. It only takes into account those uh, characteristics that the site already had, physical, economic, and social. Obviously, the analysis is preceded by a selection, uh, a screening process, because there are certain sites that don't even need the assessment, it's obvious can or cannot be developed. So there is a, a thought analysis process in very wide, well, as wide context as necessary for the particular exercise. But this creates the base information for our judgment of the assessment uh, further on. It is based in five main criteria of sustainability. Most of them mentioned in other uh, sustainability assessment methods, as I mentioned earlier, Briam communities, lead neighborhood development, and SUBED or, or other methods for that matter. But it's basically uh, based on climate change, balanced communities, accessibility, placemaking, and the economy. I do apologize, number five doesn't uh, show on the screen, it's economy and, and employment. I'll show you later. In order to make the assessment as clear, simple, as practical, we try to make it graphical uh, as well as point scoring system. Probably I don't need to explain much in this particular case because the point is, uh, system is quite similar to what was mentioned initially, uh, hence the collaboration with Hilsa Moran at that, at that stage. Um, it is a judgment from very bad to excellent for each sub-criteria of each criteria of su sustainability assessing on a point system for each of those and also designating a color for each performance. So you can create a rose diagram which shows the performance of each indicator. It's a very, it's a tool that asks people to sit in a table and try to assess that the features or characteristics of that particular site. Uh, and it, al it also initiates that first stage of the master planning process in helping understanding the site. Then each of the main criteria is subdivided in several, about eight sub-criteria, which represent most of the sustainability indicators related to that particular issue. For instance, climate change is related to risk to flooding, potential for passive strategies and renewables, 
proximity to even treatment facilities, whether you can make use of other energies around the site, uh, biodiversity, quality of land, water quality, even access to allotments for, uh, house, for residential assessment, it is one indicator to show how sustainable a site uh, is in that particular respect. Um, again, without wanting to go in too much detail, each of these criteria have their own sub -criteria. We would be happy to show later on if uh, anyone would be interested. But as you see, it is fairly easy to read and understand and also assess uh, the, the, the capacity, the sustainability capacity of each particular site for each of the criteria. In, in the bottom, I've shown a few images just to indicate that all the judgment for the pointy system is based on that previous information that we have initially collected, which is related specifically to that site. What is the site surrounded by? What is the land like? What are the physical features? What are the boundaries like? Who is, what sort of uh, uses or activities surround the site? How far is that from the town center, the train station, the road, the quality of the environment around it, the landscape, safety? All indicators are related specifically to that particular site, which makes it more practical and tangible, the, the assessment process. The, the assessment for each site is concluded by a page which shows the performance of each indicator on a rose diagram as well as a table counting all the points accumulated for each site and showing a percentage out of the total for each site. That gives a very good indicator of how sustainable this site could be in comparison to other sites around it. It's not fixed in stone, that pointing system. When we say 112, doesn't necessarily mean that it's not 113 or 110. But it shows an indicator how sustainable that site might be. Most importantly, it shows where are the main weaknesses and strengths of that site for the following up master planning process. So if in this particular site we say accessibility seems to be a bit of an issue, that we know that to make that site sustainable, we need to work design and the master planning process needs to work a little bit harder on that aspect in order to achieve sustainability. Obviously, there are positive and, and good uh, scores. A site that has scored fairly poorly would be indicated by the colors as well, as well as the pointing system, which probably I don't need to go into much details. The most important thing is at the end of the day, at the end of the assessment, I should say, we have a summary table that shows how each of the sites, from site from 1 to 15, this is a real project. This, we're talking about Rochford in this particular case where we did the assessment for uh, a private developer. Um, and we can say that each site has performed such way for each of the sustainability criteria. There is a summary point for each of the sites which enables us to rank the site based on their sustainability potential, which makes then the decision-making slightly easier, being that a private developer or a local authority to say, hang on, we've got a selection of 15 sites here in Rochford. Um, out of these 15 sites, we've got a five 
top sites that can give us a more sustainable development than some other ones. This doesn't necessarily mean that we should discount all the ones that scored poorly or only focus on the one that has scored very good, but we know exactly what we need to do to uh, achieve sustainable development. And we were commissioned at very, very early stages without the knowledge of uh, which site our particular clients own. The local authority had 13 or 14 sites that they were reviewing as their core strategy and had assessed it in, in less than robust ways, in our opinion, uh, which sites should come forward for uh, residential development. And our client um, approached us and asked us to review the council's land ownership as well as any land we felt was missed from there. So we did a review of um, what was the available land in our, our, in our view. A lot of it was greenfield land around Rochford, combined it with the council's allocated list and came out with a, uh, a, in this ranking system. Without the knowledge of the client's um, land being available, um, the top three sites one of which is the preferred site that Rochford wanted to promote as residential came in the top three, and the land that the client eventually alluded to that they had um, owned was in the top three as well. Yet within the core strategy, the, the land that the council um, promoted was in the core strategy, the land that the client owned was excluded from that. And we believe that we have a strong case to benchmark one site against another to say to the council that we feel that the land that our developer client owned should have been part of that core strategy for a very strong assessment <coughs> benchmarked tool that put it in its top three. It's not saying that the council's preferred land that they own shouldn't come forward because it was as sustainable in the top three but they completely missed a site which we felt was very, very sustainable and should be um, considered for residential development. And so what we did was, uh, uh, that was a private developer's one. We've used um, SAL to assess um, Slyfield, which is a larger brownfield regeneration uh, project in Guildford for uh, um, for the council directly, uh, they wanted us to master plan it, and that was a very good use of SALS to assess its performance within the Guildford environment. Um, Rochford, we've talked about, it was, very, it was very interesting not knowing the site and coming up with a benchmark that ranked our client site in the top three. It's currently being used as, um, uh, the SAL document is currently being used as evidence um, against the local authority who have chosen to exclude the land uh, from their core strategy and it's go it will be going through an appeal process and the client is trying to halt the core strategy because they feel it's not, um, hasn't been uh, undertaken robustly enough to um, look at all of the sites. Uh, and then Dover District Council have um, recently appointed um, the SALD assessment methodology to look at about 18 sites within um, Rochford, for, within um, Dover, for employment land to prioritise which ones they should concentrate on driving better employment land um, forward. Um, and that's just been completed by the WAM um, uh, in about the last uh, month and a half and, uh, and 
has highlighted some really interesting results of uh, some really sustainable employment uh, employment land. So Salvis is about, has the ability to address residential and employment. The criteria within it and the uh, the benchmarking is really really um, uh, interesting to bring forward a priority of um, sites. Uh, and the councils and our developer clients have looked at it as a very good benchmarking tool to then promote their particular sites. Um, it seems to be um, a, a, a very successful tool. It's a, co it's a comprehensive uh, methodology. There is a degree of subjectiveness, you know, even in the first presentation, that the, the choice of one to five points is, you know, I know you chose one to three, we struggled with one to three, uh, we didn't have quite the flexibility that we wanted, but we, we started at the one to three, we moved it to one to five. You have to be slightly subjective, but it's benchmarking one site against the other, against um, strict criteria, and therefore there's a really good assessment um, tool. It seems to be a very good, quick and easy, practical tool tool to, to use at the very early stages of looking at your land without the design on it and we found that's been very good. It's been very visual and numerical and visual is something that our clients and local authorities have responded very well to. Very quick to assess, it usually takes half, half a day to one day to um, look at each of the sites. That's after we've done the overall um, regional or district assessment of the, um, of the context of the, where the sites sit within. Um, it's cost effective because it's quick and easy. The developers love it because it's uh, the outlays when they're struggling to think how we're going to fund all of these 18 sites and we can come in and do a very quick um, assessment of, of that at a reasonable cost. It's a method which I think will improve in time. You, what you alluded to, Sue being in its third iteration of it. And we, you know, we're, we're working, we even employ Gilson Moran to do third party assessments of, our, of this Salvador documentation. And in Rochford, we paid them to actually independently review our research and they came to the same conclusions independently of that, which was a very rigorous way of, uh, of doing it. You know, we, we like the Zubin approach. Michael is there. We work with them to help some around and, and I think it's been very, very good to have a third party review. It's a method that's been tested successfully both in public and private um, um, uh, arenas. Um, and it's, a uh, it's, it's reviewed, uh, as I said, it's reviewed independently. Um, and we even had um, Rochford send it out for critical review because they didn't agree with it. It's the first time they've seen this type of methodology. And they said, absolutely rubbish. What's the, um, you know, how can you uh, promote your site and uh, that? It got sent to a third party review. And the, the biggest criticism was it hasn't been universally used for a long period of time across the UK. But then they wrote back and said, well, actually, it's not bad. You know, it has actually assessed um, sites in a, in a pretty robust and benchmarked way. So I don't think Rochford got the answer they wanted when they sent it out to be torn apart and uh, uh, criticised. So we think we can, it can be a, a standard industrial uh, uh, industry assessment uh, methodology for doing a very um, initial pre-design assessment on which sites should come forward. Um, above in priority terms. Actually, for the process we are involved with directly with the clients or public authorities, the feedback we've got so far has been very, very good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.